This podcast is supported by Comcast Business. You're in tech in 2024. Of course you're busy. Whether it's staying on top of potential cyber threats or keeping up with what's trending in tech, you need to know your network is covered. You need a partner you can rely on. You need one provider with fully integrated network and security solutions. You need Comcast Business for managed services and tailored solutions that are built to keep your business going. Powering the CIOs that make it happen. Comcast Business. Powering possibilities. I'm Kara Swisher, and you're listening to Sway. My guest today is Michelle Yeoh, the actor whose nearly four-decade career has included roles in films like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Tomorrow Never Dies, and Crazy Rich Asians. But only now has Yeoh gotten her first Hollywood top billing in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, a new movie by a pair of filmmakers known as The Daniels. Yo plays Evelyn Wong, the hardworking owner of a failing laundromat who's too busy to tend to the little but important things in life. She barely notices Waymond, her husband who tries to make her smile by sticking googly eyes on the laundry bags, or her lesbian daughter, Joy, who's struggling to come out to her grandfather with absolutely no support from her mother. But when Evelyn makes a trip to the IRS, her world is shaken up. Suddenly, she's thrust into a multiverse where she can jump between different versions of her life. The kicker? All of them are under attack by an evil force in the form of a giant spinning everything bagel You heard that right. And Evelyn is being recruited to save the world. It's basically the Matrix meets LSD trip. There's one universe where people have floppy hot dog fingers and another only inhabited by rocks. But beneath the silliness is a universal story of love and belonging and family. So I wanted to talk to Yo about how she tapped into the emotional core of the story and how this film might signal a shift in the Hollywood zeitgeist. Michelle Yeoh, welcome to Sway. Hi, Cara. Very, very happy to be here. So there's so much to this film, and I really urge everyone to see it because it's a very different film than most films that are out there, even though it's an action film. But I'd love to know how you would describe the film. You said Matrix on LSD. It's just like you're on LSD the whole time. And there's like five genres of film mixed into one bagel. (laughs) And uh, it's a science fiction it's comedy, there's drama, there's a love story, and all these things keep coming at you. Um, but I think at the core of the story, really, it's a very ordinary, average, a woman that you walk by every day. It could be a mother, an auntie, a grandmother that goes by unnoticed because she so puts her head down, just goes about her day to do the things, you know, to ensure that she's making a better life for her family and, you know, the running the errands. And it's very important that I find the Daniels were so bold and courageous to write the lead of the movie, an aging Asian immigrant woman, and give her such a powerful voice and turn her into a superhero by going to all these like multiverses and discovering that, you know, failures also make us who we are. I think what the strong core of the message, apart from the very familial connections, is that no matter how tragic or how despair or, you know, frustrated you are, is you cannot give up. 
You must not give up. And you must try and find joy and happiness. And that is the big beating heart of this film. Yes, I think this is a love story in a lot of ways between also a mother yes, and a daughter. Yes, it is. And her husband and a, a yes, father and daughter. a father and daughter, husband and wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the things that was interesting to me is I've never seen you in something so silly, which is, I think, <laughs> fantastic. So talk about being silly because you, you know, in many of your movies, you're dignified, poised, etc. What's it like to be in such a silly film for you? And did you approach the performance differently? It's so liberating. You know, it's like when you, after I read the script, it's like, I've never, no one has ever thought of me in a role like this. It is true. You almost get sort of boxed and wrapped up in this beautiful, that's what Michelle Yeoh represents, elegance and beauty and, you know, refined and dignified. Blah, 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 blah. Yes, poise. Ho-hum. A little scary. Yeah, (laughs) Very scary. Sometimes a little intimidating and scary. Um, And then to to just let loose and to be able to go, blah. And then all of us just went, we were so committed to making this because when you read it, it is wacky, it's wild, it's wonderful, it's weird, it's everything. And you cannot be sensible and controlled when you are approaching a character like that. Because Evelyn Wong is, to me, is a real person. And she's not trying to be funny. She is the way she is. She is this very ordinary woman. Because of the years of having to carry heavy loads of things, her body is not always upright. When Evelyn Wong walks, she is slightly bent over and slightly humped on the side because that's the years of hard work that has created this posture. So it's interesting because it's a posture of disappointment in a lot of ways. Like she doesn't like her husband putting googly eyes on the packaging right. and stuff. Because she finds that ridiculous because her husband is the one that's always trying to find happiness and silliness and joy and all those kind of, that's why he puts the googly eyes in hopes that it will make her laugh. But because she is so focused and weighed down by those sheer sense of responsibility of a failing business and then being audited and, you know, the daughter and then the father shows up on her doorstep, the one who is always disapproving, disappointed. So she has to work so hard into creating and achieving that American dream that they talked about when they when they first came here. Right. Waymond is played by Ki Hee Kwan. Joy, her daughter, is played by Stephanie Hsu, who was fantastic in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel also. And Jamie Lee Curtis plays Deirdre, the IRS auditor, who's fantastic. Yes, and she's unrecognizable yes. as Deirdre. Mm-hmm. Bo Deirdre, I, don't, I can never say her name. Deirdre, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, but she's so committed to her role. She's not trying to be funny. She knows these kind of women and their jobs and the responsibility of that job and how it can really turn so many lives upside down. So none of us go in saying, I'm going to make you laugh purposely. You know, it's like even with the hot dog fingers, when you look at them, you're going like, what? Right? (laughs) But so Evelyn Wong, when she's like pushing her husband out of the way, it's like, I have no time for you today. Talk tomorrow. She's not trying to be funny. She's literally busy. But the Daniels have so cleverly 
manipulated the situations that, you know, there's always that miscommunication which creates misunderstandings, which become like, oh my God, oh my God, this is just the train wreck waiting to happen. And as an audience, I think that's what he does for you. It's like he puts you in so many places and then he pulls the rug from under you. Yeah, so it's a silly premise, but the heart of it is not silly. It's quite no, sad. No, it's a big beating heart. Yeah, it's a big beating heart, but it's this woman is in great pain. But she's, it's not the only version of her, which is interesting. So the movie borrows from, obviously, martial arts movies in a very cheeky way. Your character doesn't know martial arts in her universe, but she can tap into her skills of a different Evelyn in a universe where she's a martial arts movie star, which is basically your real life, by the way. You talked <laughs> about the way you prepped and trained for the movie and the Daniels... Um, had to tell you to be worse at fighting and things like that because you're such, again, also an elegant and specific fighter the way you do stunts, you know, whether it's in Shang-Chi or Crouching Tiger. Right, right. So it was very different because at the end of the day, when she comes back into her own universe, she is still Evelyn Wong, but with extra skills. Her face is still Evelyn Wong going, what the heck is going on? My arms and legs are going in directions that I can't. Couldn't even fathom that would ha could happen. So that was what the Daniels were trying to... They came up to me and said, no, 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 no. You cannot look like you know what you're doing. Your body knows what it's doing because it's just extracted this key information. And so your body is doing all these wild and wonderful and precise, graceful moves. But your face has to register. It's like, why, do what, how, you know? So that was that kind of physical comedy that I had not done before. How many of the stunts did you do? I do all of them. Unless, I mean, if it's asking me to jump off the third floor, then I don't do that anymore. I did that You don't do before. that anymore because... No. <laughs> yeah, it's a good idea. Um, but interestingly, and maybe this is wrong because it's been reported different places, this movie was for Jackie Chan originally and then switched very quickly <laughs> to you. Is that correct? When the Daniels first wrote it, it's true. It's true. I received a, a text message from uh, Jackie, you know, because I was not well. And he heard about it and he says, oh, you know, get well soon. You're a superheroine and you will, in no time, you will be back on your feet again. And then he said to me, oh, you know, the Daniels came and pitched me the movie um, in China. And I said, oh, poor you. Your loss is my game, yeah. bro. <laughs> <laughs> and he was going to be the principal I don't even know how that would work in this story. So it would have been in that in that original thing. Initially, it was like I would have played the wife of Jackie. And, and I'm like, no way. In your dreams, buddy. Not going to happen. So what they did was like, let's switch the roles because it's not been done. Think about it. This is the first time you're seeing a older Asian immigrant woman being the superhero having the opportunity to demonstrate these kind of martial arts skills. It's normally, yes, for a younger version, it could have been a girl, but in general, it's always an older man. And I think that was one of the light switches that came on. Because the mother-daughter relationship is central to the story. And it's core. And I don't want to give away, but it plays a big role. Talk about this dynamic between your character, Evelyn, your daughter, Joy. Mm. Stephanie Shu plays this role. Oh, she's brilliant in this role. I, 
I, I think I would be nervous to throw a dildo at you. I would suspect she was, I'm guessing. <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I, again, not giving away plot. At that point, it was like, nothing will faz you. If you know the Daniels, if you look at them, you go like, okay, anything goes. Let's do it. I think that, that was our attitude. We were completely, completely, as a family, committed. And I think it really shows because the scenes that I have with Stephanie... She is looking for her mother in every universe. She's looking for the mother that she can connect with. And that's what we all do. Joy, wait, please. I have something to say to you. What? You, you have to try and eat healthier. You are getting fat. And I think, you know, the last two years, especially with the intensity and the tragedy of the the pandemic, how it's affected us, it's really, really highlighted how much we need this human connection because that's how we are wired in so many ways. And we, we have learned to, okay, we have to step back. We have to give each other the space and be who they are and accept them. Stop trying to change the other person. Although if there's a villain in the movie, the real evil here is nihilism, which is embodied by the everything bagel in the movie, which I can't even explain. I'm not, so people listening to be like a bagel, a dildo, <laughs> and there's more. Um, nihilism is especially resonant with the pandemic and the war and everything else. Um, and, and this idea of nothing matters, you can go two ways, nothing matters and therefore be free or nothing matters and therefore give up, right? And that's, I think, the, yes. the, the tension between the mother and the daughter. You're right. Nothing matters, be free, or nothing matters, give up. But then what is it you're giving up? What are you willing to walk away from, right? I think if you don't have a big beating heart, it's so easy to just say, well, you know, you're already a grown-up, you do whatever you want and walk away, right? But if you have humanity, if you have empathy, if you have love, you never walk away from family, or you never walk away from friends. You never walk away from someone in need. It is very easy to walk away and just turn a blind eye because then you are not involved emotionally, physically, or, you know, anyway. And I think that's a coward's way out. It's too easy to take that route. Right, which the daughter is doing and the mother is trying to convince her otherwise. Yes. And Evelyn, who is, I think it was the funniest when Evelyn realizes, what do you mean I'm the worst failure of Evelyn Wong in all the universes? She can't accept that. Mm -hmm. How can I be the worst? But sometimes it is the failures that make us who we are because every decision matters and it has an impact. And perhaps if she was so successful in all that she do, like in the, the movie universe, she doesn't have a family. Right. She's by herself. Yes. Yes. So what is it you really, really want? Is it a lonely existence? Yes. But you have, okay, money in the bank or you have a family and it could be rough and tough, but the joy and love to be found in that kind of situation gives you such a sense of self-worth. So, but although she is, she is the loser, right? She calls herself a loser. Yeah. But then what she understood was, I can keep learning. She's one hell of a determined woman, even though she fails at so many things, but she never gives up trying, even though her business is failing. But she did not say, okay, let's just wrap it up and call it a day, right? It's like, we, even with the marriage, with a husband of so many years, but at the end of the day, what you take a step back and go, empathy. We have to learn to listen to each other 
and show kindness. I think that is the superpower that's inherent in all of us. Did you have a favorite multiverse? I got to say hot dog fingers might be. You look like you're having much more fun with the hot dog. Uh, I think the hot dog universe is the most beautiful love story going on in all the different universes. Mm -hmm. Between you and Jamie Lee Curtis, not to give away, but they're very tender in your hot dog. Yes, because it's all what I love about all the universes, the emotion, the commitment. It's real. It's true. That's why you believe in that universe. You are engaged with that emotional threat connection that keeps going through it. And in that universe, if you just have a very close up of Jamie and myself holding each other, you see two women in love. And then you pull back and you go yeah. like, what the heck do they have at the end of the yeah. sleeve? Is this floppy thing? Yeah. When it first came, I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> at first, you're like looking at I know. At the when fingers. I first read it, I was like, no, 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 no. I don't understand this. We have this mating dance and you should see Jamie and I, we look at each other and and then we just like attacked it. <laughs> Is there a universe you didn't like? I mean, the universe of your life, your real life as a martial arts movie star was very sad. That that discussion between her and the man she left behind. It was because she suddenly realized that's when I don't have Wayman and I don't have joy. They are not in my life. I have, yes, success and fame, but I am by myself and with a white head martial arts expert that, you know, tells you exactly what to do. It's a very, very limited and almost chained up life. So is that what you think being successful is? We'll be back in a minute. If you like this interview and want to hear others, follow us on your favorite podcast app. You'll be able to catch up on Sway episodes you may have missed, like my conversation with Andrew Garfield, and you get new ones delivered directly to you. More with Michelle Yeoh after the break. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing and expanding education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. Hey there, it's Ira Glass from This American Life. If you don't know our show, it's true stories that unfold like little movies for radio. Lots of them funny with surprising moments and plot twists. We've been on the radio for years. And we teamed up with the New York Times to bring you new episodes of This American Life a full day and a half before you can find them anywhere else online. And the place you can do that is the New York Times audio app every Saturday morning. In the app, you also find the best of our archive, hundreds of episodes, plus This American Life shorts, which are handpicked stories when you're in the mood to hear something good but you don't have time for a whole episode. And the New York Times audio app, can I say, is chock full of tons of other stories and podcasts curated every day. For those moments that you want to listen to something and you don't know what you want to listen to. You can download it at nytimes.com slash audio app and subscribe to start listening. And if you're not already a New York Times subscriber, well, this is another reason to become one. Again, that's nytimes.com slash audio app. So you obviously made your name in Hong Kong action movies. You picked up a lot of your stunt training early in your career in Hong Kong. 
Um, mm-hmm. I was wondering when you were doing that, were you held to a different standard than the men? I'm trying to think your first big movie is Yes, Madam. Is that correct? Mm, this is a very good question because, you know, at that time, especially in the 80s, it was past the uh, Shaw Brothers era where we had a lot of swords women who carried themselves but doing martial arts, uh, sword fighting. But then when it came to the late 70s and early 80s, it switched over to much more masculine-dominated, you know, with the Jackie Chan, the Jet Li, the Donnie Yen, you know. And the women became the damsel in distress. The woman became the character that needs to be provided for and protected and all those kind of things. So I remember when I first said, because I didn't speak, I don't read Chinese. So that's a big problem, you know, when you're doing Chinese movies and not being able to read the script and not really being able to say the language. Um, My first movie was an action film, but I played the normal, you know, damsel in distress where I was a, a social worker and bullied by the juvenile delinquents. And the guys had to step in and, you know, teach them a lesson. Um, Then, but I was watching the fight sequences and I thought, this looks exactly like a choreographed dance piece. And I've been in that world forever. And it was like, you know, it's very much like dancing. If you look at it, the steps are choreographed. You fight with or you dance with like multiple partners. And it's all about uh, rhythm, precision and time, all that things put together. So I said, I would love to be able to try. I think at that point, In that period, uh, the glory years of Hong Kong cinema, it was comedies and action movies that were the best sellers. So they said, well, okay, if you want to try action, if it doesn't succeed, that's the easiest thing. We'll just put you right back to the same box. And so I thought there was a lot of pressure to make sure they took you seriously. They're giving you an opportunity to do it. You said you wanted to do it, fine. Take it and run with it or sink. Mm-hmm. Now, your Hollywood breakthrough was when you played a Bond, and I'm not going to use the term girl because Waylon was not a girl in the 1997 <laughs> movie, Tomorrow Never Dies. Can you talk about that? I love Bond movies and I thought you were fantastic in it. You were an equal match. Um, there was a rumor you'd get a Bond spinoff, though that didn't happen. Do you ever think about that multiverse of you as Bond? Oh, if I was a uh, if I was James Bond, maybe now it can happen. <laughs> yeah, well, there might be the uh, Shauna Lynch might become that, but we'll see. Yeah, uh, you know what, James Bond is James Bond. I mean, he's like sixty years a legacy that's been so nurtured and protected and well thought out. And I think what in ninety six, ninety seven, when they were doing that, uh, it was. Because I think the the movement of where women were like, okay, I want to go and watch a Bond movie where I'm not just sexualized, all right? Come on. But I think it's Barbara Broccoli, Michael Wilson, the producers who realize it's like, yes, let's just do something different. Let's have a woman who's comparable to James Bond, a spy from another country. And thank God I heard it was because one of the writers in the room turned around and said, oh, you know, this is like actress from Hong Kong, actually, said, who does her own action? So they pulled me up and Barbara came to meet me in Europe. And that was how my journey started. Mm-hmm. Uh, you went on to star in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in 2000, which was a mega hit globally. It became the first foreign language movie to break the $100 million mark in mm-hmm. a U.S. box office and had the most Oscar nods ever for a foreign language film until Roma a few years ago from Netflix. It was heralded as a game changer of how U.S. viewed the Asian film industry One, why do you think it took so long? And two, did it do that? Oh, God. You know, with uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, 
that was a um, that was a Asian movie, right? And and I remembered when Ang uh, came to me, and at that time I was doing the the press. This is Ang Lee, was the director. Yes, I was doing the press for Tomorrow Never Dies. They said, "Oh, you know this director Ang Lee," and I'm like. Are you kidding me? Do I know this director, Ang Lee? I'm like, I worship <laughs> the ground he walks on. He said, he's wondering if you have time to, you know, have a quick cup of tea with him. And i like, I would bend backwards to, to talk to him. And Ang is like the most quiet spoken. And he said to me, I want to make sense and sensibility with martial arts. <laughs> and I just went, when? Yeah. I'm there. Yes. So, but do you think it, it was supposed to change things? I remember it was such a sensation and then it didn't. It did not change things. It did not. Why is that? It didn't change things because it's a period piece. It's a martial arts movie. It's a movie, it's about the Chinese culture. It's not contemporary. It's not like a Marvel universe where you can understand and you find it relatable. These people belong to another, another dimension, right? So yes, we became better known in America, like Chow Yun-Fat, he came over and he made some a few movies. Um, and I made other things here in America. I it went on to do like Memoirs of a Geisha, but not a, because at that time, there were no scripts that really cast us as a important enough character. You could be like a co-star or a guest star or whatever it is. And if you think, Three years ago, when when um, Crazy Rich Asians came out, prior to that, it was Joy Luck Club, which was 20-something years ago before we had an all-Asian cast. Now, that's the real test. Right. It's the first Hollywood movie since the early 90s to have a modern story and all-Asian cast. Do you think it's a new phase or not? I feel that way when I think about Black Panther or, and everything else. Now, definitely. Now, definitely. You can see after... After the huge success of Crazy Rich Asians, can you imagine the weight on our shoulders at that point? When is the next one? I think they just announced uh, they have a writer. So hopefully now they will, you know, get on the horse and really ride out. Do you play a big role in the next movie? I have no idea. We will, we will see. Even with the Crazy Rich Asians 1, we sort of like diverted from the original book. The characters are there, but then it's more about the, the love rather than just the playing around the pranks that they would do on the poor girl, poor, poor Constance and, you know. Um, but that was also very, very important that we focus very much on the love between the mother and the son. Also the mother and the daughter-in-law. That mahjong scene was something else. It was incredible. Like, see, and incredible. But that was also a very much about how the cultural, because if you are born and raised and only live in Asia, versus if you are American born Chinese or Asian, um, because here the whole mentality, the whole educational process, the whole upbringing is very different. Here in America, you are taught you have to be self-sufficient. You have to take care of yourself. It's about you going out there and making your own life, mm -hmm. right? Which, which your character was He's against that, was against Constance's character. Yeah. Yes. It wasn't about her not being rich enough or whatever. It's about, are you going to be able to take in and accept and embrace all these new rules that you cannot put yourself first? 
you always put the family first from the parents, the grandparents, the hierarchy, right? So you cannot say, well, I want to do this. You know, my husband will do what I want. No, 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 that's not going to happen. So that was what she was trying to impart to her. Um, I'm curious, what did that movie, did that change things for you in terms of roles coming in? I think for me, no, not like, oh, now suddenly I have, um, it. what it did was, I think it changed for a lot of our Asian talent because there were more roles that were written. There were more stories. And suddenly it was much more like, you see, our stories do matter. And there are so many of these stories to be told and to be exchanged and to be, you know, and also what I love about um, everything everywhere all at once is about here. It's about what's happening in our society. And we are very, very much part of, you know, the Asians belong. They've been here. They've been part of this community forever. And I think that was the biggest leap of empowerment. You know, I'm curious for your perspective on the global industry, though, because you're such an international star and actor. What's it like straddling two different film markets, the U.S. and China? Because in 2020, China's film market became the world's biggest box office. Yes, yes, it will continue to grow. They, mm, that's actually very, very interesting, very clever question, because, you know, I do work on both. Because when I was making Crazy Rich Asians, I was doing a Chinese movie at the same time for Master Yun Wuping. Wow. On what? An action movie in Ma uh, Master Z. It's a spinoff of Yip Man. At the same time? Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, Master Yun Wuping is like my mentor, my guru, and I've Crouching Tiger. I've worked like four or five movies with him already. And in fact, he knows. All he has to do is call. I never say no to him. So you do live in a multiverse. You really? Oh my God. I wish I could just like flick yeah. my head back and like zoom. Because I was like running from Singapore and then take the flight. Literally ran out of the set, like running and taking off my things and going like, okay, now I'm going on a plane and fly straight back to China to in Shanghai to be with him. Is there any type of roles you haven't played yet that you really want to do? Does this open up opportunities for you, do you think? I Honestly, I would love to be in a musical, but the only problem is I can't sing. <laughs> oh, yeah. That hasn't stopped a lot of people. I would love to do like a Moulin Rouge or because, you know, that's the that's the dancer performer in me. Do you know there's auto-tune? You can be auto-tuned. They, they, oh, yeah, that's right. If there was a multiverse universe that you can jump into, I, w I want to be a the rock star. I want to be a singer. Well, you did. In this movie, you were a singer. Oh, I was a Chinese opera singer. No, but I want the gift of a voice that right. I can sing because I find it so moving. And, you know, you carry it with you everywhere you go. And you can sing to many or you can just sing to one. But that that touches and goes places. So a movie musical, not a Broadway musical. Oh, no, no, no. I cannot do stage. I can't do stage. That would scare the hell out of me. I have stage fright. <laughs> I can't believe you jump from trucks and you're scared of the stage, but that's another discussion. Oh, my I God. I, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, well, you've been, have you been in animation? You can sing in those. I guess that's not the same thing. Animation? I've done. I'm doing Tiger's Apprentice. I'm in the, the next Minions. Oh, you are. It was so, it's so funny. The, the rise of Gru. Oh, my God. When they came to me, they said, oh, they, they want you to be a minion. And I'm like, but they don't talk. They make these. <laughs> Why would you want me to do <laughs> Anyway, Michelle, this has been a delight. I really, truly appreciate it. Thanks, Cara.
is a production of New York Times Opinion. It's produced by Naima Raza, Blakeney Schick, Daphne Chen, Caitlin O'Keefe, and Wyatt Orm. With original music by Isaac Jones, mixing by Sonia Herrero and Carol Saburo, and fact-checking by Kate Sinclair and Mary Marge Locker. Special thanks to Shannon Busta, Kristen Lynn, and Christina Samuluski. The senior editor of Sway is Naima Raza, and the executive producer of New York Times Opinion Audio is Irene Noguchi. If you're in a podcast app already, you know how to get your podcasts, so follow this one. If you're listening on the Times website and want to get each new episode of Sway delivered to you, along with a chance to dance with Jamie Lee Curtis, download any podcast app, then search for Sway and follow the show. We release every Monday and Thursday. Thanks for listening.